we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review plus my guest's five-star review. Give him on his now two shows. Correct. I noticed, but he's got two shows now. It's catching up. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. But if you can like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, tell any NBA fan that you got out there about the Lakers fast break, and also my guest shows as well, it's truly appreciated. Well, we're in the middle of the bubble. It's coming down to the last couple games. A lot of people are getting excited for the playoffs coming on August 13th, which is coming in a few days. So I'm very excited to see that. So happy. Well, okay, I'm kind of happy, but the Lakers are struggling. They're like backing their way in. So I know a lot of people are still up in arms about that. But if you get a chance, check out what this man is doing, not only with everything going on with the NBA, but the NBA draft. And you, as if you're watching right now on Facebook Live, you can see his great site on YouTube, NBA Draft Junkies, where you get the latest and greatest on what's going on with the NBA draft. You can see all these videos right here, all wall-to-wall NBA prospects. You see videos on all of them. Plus, he not only has his NBA Draft Junkies podcast, he's now got a second podcast, which... I know he's throwing some names off of me, and I was like, oh, I was trying to think of names for him, but he finally found a name that he likes. I'm going to ask him if he got it or not while he was bike riding on his many bike adventures. It is Run the Floor. It's the Run the Floor podcast, plus also as well the NBA Draft Junkies podcast. you got to check out what both shows are doing today on, well, everywhere you get your podcast, and of course YouTube. It is my good friend. It is Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, while you're on one of those many bike ride adventures that you do, because you're going a lot of miles, my friend, you're going to try and get, what, 100 miles in a day pretty soon? Yeah. Well, I took the last two and a half weeks off, okay. and uh, I needed to get a new bike. I had a cheap Walmart <laughs> bike. I was made out of steel, and it was heavy. And then, you know, at Walmart, it's not a real bike shop, so... No telling who's putting it together. So I had issues with handlebars coming off. And my goal originally was only ride like three miles a day. And then it just turned into just something that I really, really enjoyed. So you're up to past yeah. 40 right now, right? What's that? You're up to plus 40, right? Well, I've never done 40 in a day, but I've done like 400 miles in a month. Ooh. I mean, I'm sorry, in a week. So I, I was putting some heavy miles on this cheap Roadmaster bike. And then one day I went to a bike shop and actually rode like a a real bike and saw how light it was. And I just never got back on mine because I was worried it's going to fall apart on me. So I ended up getting a a nice road bike and it's probably 13 pounds lighter and it makes a difference. So now I, I feel like I can, I can do like the, I did 30 yesterday, so I'm going to try to go from 30 to 40 to 50 miles in a day and then just kind of hopefully work my way up to 100 mile a day. Well, let me ask you this. Is is that where you thought of the inspiration behind Run the Floor? Because that, that's now your no, second podcast. Okay. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, I uh, I had thought about a lot of names while I was writing, but the name actually came while I was on my bike riding hiatus. 
So, um, nah, um, even when I was riding and, you know, I have plenty of time to think while I'm on a bike ride, I still couldn't come up with, with the name that I, I thought would stick. And then, you know, anything basketball related, those names are taken up with people who don't even record a podcast anymore. They're just holding on to the name. They stop recording after like three episodes. So I, I don't blame you. I, like I said, it's, it's hard to find a niche in this world. And I know you were asking me and I know you're asking a lot of people out there as far as the name. And I, I just couldn't think of one that hasn't been taken up. So I'm glad you found one that is truly original and stands out because you do a lot of great work. I listened to your first episode already. You've done a great job, obviously, with everything related to NBA Draft Junkies, and I wish you continued success with your show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, but speaking of the NBA, which you guys did cover in great detail on your first episode of Run the Floor, we're doing this little bubble thing, my friend, and it's almost come to an end, just like that. We were just talking about the start of it. Now we're talking mm -hmm. about nearing the end of it. And I want to hit you up on the first real surprises that have just jumped out at you in the bubble so far? Well, obviously the Suns are the biggest surprise at, what are they, 4-0, 5-0, something like that? Yes, They haven't lost yet. So they're the biggest surprise. Um, TJ Warren has been a big surprise. I mean, yes. you would have bet me who was going to lead the bubble in scoring. I wouldn't have uh, predicted TJ Warren would have the impact that he's had, which he's definitely benefited from Sabonis being out, and he has a big advantage at the four. And then the Bucks and the Lakers, um, both teams are under 500 in the bubble. And I think in some cases people are saying, oh, they're, they don't have anything to play for. But I, I, I think they're actually playing. I think they're – yeah, I don't think that they're like – necessarily tanking i mean they didn't play lebron in the uh in the rockets game and then um yeah i just don't think either team is playing well at this point and i think there should be concern in both situations mostly with the lakers because i mean the west is obviously tougher than the east yeah. i mean i think that milwaukee can beat orlando easily but i just think like with the lakers whoever they're playing in the eighth spot is already in playoff mode. I think they're, they're playing already... the Nets right now. I think they're if they'd started yeah, today, the Nets. Nets, yeah. And you know, I mean, they're they're missing so many guys. They won't be. I mean, they're going to play hard, but I don't think there's anything Milwaukee has to worry about. But like I was saying with LA, if they play, say, a Phoenix or Portland or San Antonio, those teams are already in playoff mode, and they're going to be. I mean, they're already going to be um, in do or die in a sense. They're already in playoff mode, like I said. And so if the Lakers think that they can just turn it on, I think it's going to be – it could be tough. I mean, I could see them turning it on and just kind of sweeping through, but then I could also see them kind of struggling. And uh, it could be like the 2007 Mavs situation. If you remember, the Mavs had the best record. They clinched. Avery Johnson decided to rest guys, and, and it, I think it just kind of messed up their continuity. While Golden State had to win, like, I mean, they, they were kind of like a long shot to even make the post. They had to have so many things fall in their way in order for them to get the eighth seed. They did, and they kept that momentum, and it carried them into a first-round upset. And so if I'm the Lakers fan or, you know, the Lakers, that's something I would 
I think they should be somewhat concerned about. I would be concerned about it too. In fact, I've told, I don't know if you've been listening to the latest podcast on the concern meter on the panic meter. I was as high as a 10 plus after yesterday's game against the Pacers. I'm now around a 7.8, but I'm still very concerned at this point in time because you're seeing the same things that I'm seeing is that it's very hard for the Lakers to manufacture a, a smooth offense when you're not hitting the outside shot. And right now they have the worst three point percentage in the bubble and it's not even close and it's not pretty to watch at times. Yeah. And so I'm kind of torn on it. I think that there are going to be some issues shooting with the team. Uh, they don't, I mean, I guess Quinn cook would qualify as a specialist. Jr. Hasn't been able to find his rhythm. And so I think teams are going to dare them to shoot. And then unlike Houston, I think if Houston, if you dare their supporting cast to shoot, they're going to get up enough volume of shots to where it's a threat. I don't know if the Lakers are going to continue to fire away and take those shots. And then to me, the biggest concern is AD. You know, it's like, is he playing not to get hurt or is he just really settling for these jumpers? Like, it just seems like he's just taking way too many jump shots, in my opinion. I think yesterday took like eight threes or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, against the Pacers. So uh, that's a concern. Um, yeah, just because, like I said, now if he's playing not to get hurt and he's just trying to keep a rhythm, that's understandable. But if he's going to settle for jumpers, then he's making it easier on the defense. True, and we've seen a very inconsistent Anthony Davis so far in the bubble where he's had really strong games and not so strong Single games. Single figures games, yeah. Yeah, yeah 42-point game. And then he, I, I know for sure he's had like one game under like 10 points. Yeah, against the Pacers he had eight points where he, it's like a different Anthony Davis each and every time out. Are you going to get the aggressive, taking it to the basket, then mixing it in with – timely shooting or are you going to get the passive Anthony Davis who's doing fadeaway jumpers is getting double teamed and that's understandable that he has to go ahead and play off that and try to go ahead and do what he can to free himself up whether it's passing out and then getting the the second pass in or creating some sort of different advantage for him because when he gets on that certain set on the side that certain position you always seem to accustom to seeing him on the side there near the low block and he gets double teamed real easily. He's got to find himself ways out of that in order to go ahead and and really find a niche for himself because right now this inconsistency is maddening for someone of his talent. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what he's going to face in the playoffs, double teams. They're going to dare guys to shoot. And I think that, well, I'll say this. I I like the fact that he's playing more minutes at the five. I think the last thing I saw is, he was up like 60% of his minutes right after five. And during the season, it was like 38. So I think that's going to be important for the Lakers. Uh, I, I just don't really see LeBron having a lot of driving lanes. If Davis is on the floor with Dwight or JaVale. So seeing his minutes at the five increases, something that I, I expected. And then as far as like we talked about on other episodes, the rotation being shorter, which, which big is going to be left out. I think that's definitely going to be a real a real possibility. And then as far as like the shooting, like if I were defending the Lakers, boxes and elbows. We're just, we're going to, 
have the defenders at the boxes and elbows and just dare guys to shoot. Because I know like waiters can shoot, but he's more of a scorer than a shooter. Kuzma, you, you definitely have to respect Kuzma as a shooter, but he's been kind of hot and cold. And then I think that teams are just going to attack him defensively. Caruso, I mean, teams are going to let him shoot. I mean, Quinn Cook is a guy that that he can – you definitely have to respect him. So it's kind of like what they were saying in the broadcast yesterday. They expect him to get more minutes as the playoffs as the games go on. But I think he's another player that teams are going to look to attack defensively, especially if he has to play – you know, let's say if it's, you know, Portland, I mean, he has to guard Dame or CJ, one of, one of those two. And where would you go? Um, maybe they- yeah, I would go right at him. I'd go at him, or you know, even like if Kuzma's in, you know, one of those two guys. If Phoenix happens to make it, um, you can hide him on Rubio, but I, I think they're going to try to find ways to get him and switches on on Booker. And then, um, you know, even with San Antonio, I think what Derek White went out with an injury in today's game. I don't know how serious it is, but San Antonio's playing good ball right now too. Yeah. And on paper, they don't look like a, a good team at all. So, and then even if it's Memphis, then you know they're going to attack him with with Josh. So, uh, I guess you got to figure out what's more important: defense, offense. And I think with Cook, you're definitely going to get offense. Missing Avery Bradley is going to show up in the playoffs when it comes to like guarding these really good guards. I had mentioned that to Laker Tom of Lakerholics.com, and because uh, he was getting into the thought process of what Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy said about wanting missing Rajon Rondo. I think Avery Bradley of the two is the one I would like to have more at this point in time. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, player Rondo has a reputation, but I, I just don't, I've never was a fan of his fit next to LeBron anyway, because they both need the ball, and then I just think with Rondo, when he doesn't have the ball, he's just—I mean—he makes it easier for the other team to to focus in on LeBron and kind of shut down his driving lanes. I agree, and, and we saw it last night uh, against the Pacers when the team starts hitting threes, especially Queen Cook. He was out there on the wing; it opened things up for LeBron, and LeBron looked a lot yep. better yesterday. Thirty-one points. And that's what it can do with the better three-point shooting. I'm not asking for, to have them hit 40 to 45%. I'm just enough to be respectful, just enough to get by, just enough to go ahead and keep those lanes open and not have Anthony Davis doubled every time out. Right, and that's why I was saying, like, they're different than Houston. If Houston doesn't – if they're not making threes, they're still going to keep firing them. Like the game they played – was it Milwaukee they played? And they, like, set a record yeah. for three-point attempts. And on paper, officially, they weren't that great. Like, I know P.J. Tucker was, like, three for 12, but he kept shooting and kept shooting. And then they just kind of beat you with – they'll trade you threes for twos, and they kind of bank on their turnovers, getting them extra possessions and, and you know, wide-open shots. And so with the Lakers, I just don't know if they're going to put up – that volume of threes to offset the fact that they aren't shooting that well from behind the arc. Why would they want to keep firing away if they're only shooting 23% or whatever the percentage was? I know it was in the 20s from three. But if they start passing up shots 
and forcing it inside, then that becomes an issue also. What I want to ask you is Milwaukee, who, like you said, has also struggled inside the bubble. Their defense is catered on allowing a ton of threes from the opposition because they're banking on right. you missing the greater, greater percentage of it and that Milwaukee capitalized either from its own well-balanced attack from the three-point area or getting it to Giannis, who will do the rest. You yeah. saw that formula kind of busted when it concerns them when they played Houston. And so far in the bubble, they've kind of looked, eh, they, they haven't looked very interested at this point in time, in my opinion, as a whole, as a team. Now, is that going to be a possible weakness for them if they continue on that defensive style of giving up as many three-pointers as, as the other team wants to take? It depends. I mean, like, I mean, the first round, they should have Brooklyn. They should be able to get by. And so, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to out-talent Brooklyn. So they, they have, like, a whole series to, like, kind of figure it out. As far as maybe Boston could be a threat for them. But I think Milwaukee's biggest issue is the closer. Like, Giannis is their MVP. He's their best player. But I just don't know about him being a closer. And we saw in the Rockets game when they needed crunch time baskets, he turned the ball over a couple times. And I think Middleton is their best half-court scorer as far as creating your own shot. Um, Giannis's game is really... I mean, of course he can score in the half court. I mean, when they post him up, he's he uh, can create some mismatches. But their offense is really based off of, of course, spreading the floor, but you missing him grabbing the rebound. And once he grabs that rebound, he is a one-man fast break. Yeah. Closing, you know, tight games, I think that is their issue. But And even if, like, Philadelphia was healthy, I think they would have the same issue also. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character-driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Philadelphia is going to be an issue now as far as their odds in the playoffs going forward with Ben Simmons being out. Do you see any type of impact they can make at all in the playoffs? Because with Ben Simmons out and now it's just the Joel Embiid show, they need a healthy dose of three-pointers as well, and I'm not sure they're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, I just think their roster was just badly built. They don't have, like, a legitimate backup point guard experience and they don't have a point guard that can get in the paint and create shots and then it's kind of like that team was built for 90s basketball with all their bigs and and in today's NBA you need spacing and even if you have a good defensive team you need guys that can knock down open shots and Philly just doesn't have that and I mean I'm sure you've seen like some of the still pictures that people have posted on Twitter of their spacing and it's like Embiid, and then the rest of the team is already in the paint, and he's you know he's looking at five defenders with their arms outstretched. So I think that they're definitely going to have some issues. And then, I mean, choosing to pay Al Horford 
and letting JJ Reddick walk is one of the biggest mysteries of the 2019 summer. Absolutely. I mean, it's a lot goes into question there in regards to what they were thinking. Obviously, they were trying to go ahead and, and from a defensive impact, but like you said, it's created a lot more problems than it has solutions. Yeah, and I, I just, I mean, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, but I feel like who didn't really see this coming? And I, I've even heard some people say they felt like they signed Horford to keep the best defender away from Embiid. You know, you have him on your team because there's, I mean, there's really nobody that can stop Embiid at all. But Horford, I felt like, was the best at defending him. And having him on your team kind of <laughs> creates a situation where, you know, uh, Mark Gasol is probably the only center in the East that you fear that can do a good job defending Embiid. But it ends up it ends up being like a big mistake. Like they are really lacking on ball handling, creating outside shooting, so many things that they're they're lacking. But with Ben Simmons hurt, I think it it kind of helps Brett Brown in a sense because expectations are really low now. And, you know, I think if if the season ended today, they may play Boston in the first round. So if you lose to Boston with Simmons and Embiid, then you're looking at a crazy offseason. But you can always kind of say, well, Simmons wasn't hurt. We, were at, we weren't at full strength. Give this team another opportunity to, do, to run it back next season. Wait, uh, wait till you see a whole playoffs worth of Shake Milton, my friend, coming up on the way. Looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> that I mean, it's it's they don't really have another choice. I mean, they really don't have another ball handler, or even just like a quick guard that can get in the paint and be disruptive. I think uh, you know, I, I want to say they had uh, Trey Burke recently, and I think he's someone that could help them out. And he's doing great for Dallas at this point in time. Yep, one of those yep. outstanding pickups that we've seen here in the bubble of players coming from basic anonymity to almost like a star status. I mean, his play with Dallas, obviously TJ Warren, you know, his play with Indiana, but we've seen several players now get the spotlight in the bubble, whereas they weren't getting it all season long. Do you think TJ Trent Jr. <laughs> yeah, Gary, exactly, exactly. I mean, Gary Trent Jr. has done an outstanding job and could be that wing player that, Portland needs or at least an outside threat because he's been just shooting tremendously inside the bubble but that leads me into Portland and I want to ask you this real quick because that battle for the eighth spot is becoming very very tight and in fact with their loss today for the Grizzlies that loss basically cemented a play-in game of some type whether it's going to involve them we're not sure but I believe they're only a game ahead of Portland and a game and a half ahead of Phoenix at this point in time. So they could be realistically out of the bubble by the end of the week. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, we were expecting that this kind of play-in scenario was going to be catered to the schedule and the way it was going to be catered to was favoring the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson. Hasn't quite turned out to be the case, but for me it's turned out to be no less exciting, especially the smack talk after the Portland Clippers game. 
Yeah, that's uh I mean, well, first of all, I could not believe Dane missed those two free throws. <laughs> He's like an eighty seven percent free throw shooter. And that was a big loss for the Blazers. I mean, I I think they're the favorite right now as far as um you know, a lot of people are predicting them to to go ahead and represent the West with the eighth seed. That loss to that loss yesterday hurt and then I mean they're on a back to back today, right now. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that was shocking. As far as Pelicans, I mean, they've definitely, in my opinion, the most disappointing team in the bubble. With Zion, I don't know what happened, but he just looks out of shape. He looks heavier. I mean, he's played well on paper. I mean, he, he once he gets the ball, I mean, he's crazy efficient around the rim. He hasn't shown, like, the bounce and – vertical pop that kind of made him you know such a, a fan favorite and such a big name but I mean he's scoring the ball but I just thought that he would come in and in, in better shape uh Lonzo has just been really really bad I mean I want to say it's like five points a game 20 something percent shooting I think like 33 percent free throw shooting his play has definitely not helped them um Holiday has been hot and cold I think Ingram's been consistent, but they were a team that were expected to really compete for that last spot. So now they're in a situation where the head coach might be in trouble because some of their games, they just did not come out with the intensity that you expect of a team that is competing for a playoff spot. I agree with you on that a hundred percent. I like Alvin Gentry. Solid coach. I've had no issue with him. Loves the offense. I understand that completely, but I think this season has been pretty much a disappointment, obviously with Zion's injury, but even the limitations of when he's come back and the, the, the minute structure and the way that's been done. You're right. He's not been in the greatest shape, even though we thought he would be in better shape when he came back from the bubble and you started seeing training camp, those pictures where he was all buffed out and you thought, oh my gosh, going to have a healthy Zion, but then he took a leave, a family leave, and then just when he, ever since he's come back, it's just not been the same. Yeah. Um, like I said, he's been efficient around the rim. People still have a hard time stopping him, but his conditioning just doesn't look there. Like I said, like the vertical pop, I mean, he had a few dunks, but you know, he's not playing with the same motor and energy that he had been playing with before. But even if you say like, he was at 60% of his normal self. He was still pretty, pretty dang good around the rim. Yeah. So I think there's hope, but I mean, they've been disappointing. And then I also think that with names like Tyron Lou and, and Jason Kidd that are expected to possibly find jobs this summer, it's um, the seat is getting pretty hot for Alvin Gentry. I agree with you. Uh, I think that seat is getting pretty hot. I think like you said, with Tyron Lou and Jason Kidd, were both, or I know Jason Kidd was being thought and mentioned, and I think even interviewed for the New York Knicks job. Was Tyron Lue as well? I wasn't sure. I didn't hear his name. Okay. But, you know, he's not a CAA guy, so. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But well, he is, yeah, I, I just, yeah. like, whatever name they threw out there was just, you know, a name. I mean, I, I, mean, I knew Leon Rose was going to hire a CAA guy. I mean, he represented Tibbs. So, and now, I mean, they're even talking about hiring uh, Kentucky assistant Kenny Payne to 
be on that staff, which I think it's all a big play to lure in one of those former Kentucky CAA guys, whether it's Booker or or Carl Anthony Towns. I, I definitely think they have a plan going on there that's kind of bubbling underneath the surface. Would have been the first real plan that they've had in a long time in the, for the next so. Well, you know, a few years ago, they had the whole CAA team also with Melo, JR, Mike Woodson, and uh, and they were successful. That was the last time they went to the playoffs. So it looks like they're just kind of running it back with Leon Rose in an official capacity now. There you go. I think it'll probably work out better for the Knicks, at least, uh, at least in the long term. I don't know, short term, like you said, it's so much reliance. You see with Lakers, with the clutch, uh, you know, the clutch connection, so to speak. It it comes and goes as far as the decisions that are made that you're seeing based off affiliations with these agencies. And I'm not going to argue against it because it's a moot point because you're going to see it happening anyways continuously. Yep. I mean, same thing with the Bucks with Excel a few years ago. Jason Kidd was the coach, and they had a lot of Excel clients on the team. And um, that was – I mean, because it was Milwaukee, it didn't get the same amount of attention as – as the Knicks with CAA, but it was definitely something that they had. Um, I, mean, I think the Jason Kidd's former agent was the executive. And I mean, they were basically putting their players in coaching position to, you know, win games, put up big numbers, which brings in more money to the agency. And it's just business and politics. Indeed, my friend, very much indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out, as you're seeing on Facebook Live today, his awesome YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies, which contains not only one, but two. He's going to be passing me up here in no time. Great podcast, starting with NBA Draft Junkies, the podcast, and also Run the Floor. That's right, the Run the Floor podcast that's now available wherever you get your podcasts. My friend... So we're going back real quick to the eight seed. When all is said and done, who do you think the Lakers are going to match up with? Because right now, there's not only the possibility that the Lakers could actually meet up with a very, very good team that's, like you said, very motivated, but also as well, they could even drop down to the third seed overall because Toronto is only a game back. Wow, I didn't even think of it like that. But, I mean, at this point, does it even matter since there's not really a, a home court advantage? True. So long as they're number one in the West, which, I mean, at this point, I think would be impossible for the Clippers to pass them up. So I think they're fine there. Yeah, I mean, this this, this whole bubble situation with there not being any home court advantage, I don't think there's a difference between second and the third seed in the West. But, I mean, I think Portland would probably – come out of or come out of this uh playing game and i think they can match up with the lakers pretty well because they have the bigs if the lakers are going to play their traditional lineup with with javel and and ad portland definitely has the size i think the lakers were two and one against the blazers or three and one and then the, the one game portland won was a very emotional night so you know, I don't think, I mean, me personally, I, I wouldn't have expected the Lakers to the win that game or even just win any games around that time. There's just so much going on outside of basketball. So, I mean, as far as like the season records, L.A. definitely outplayed Portland, but this is a different Blazers team with 
with Nurkic, who's made a big difference and and like the Blazers offense. And then I feel like with with Portland, their best lineup is if they have Melo at the four, Trent at the three with CJ and McCollum with Nurkic, or even if they play Collins. But when the floor is spread, I mean, it's tough to contain Dame in a pick-and-roll situation because, I mean, who do you help off? Melo cannot the open shots. Trent was shooting like 60% from three. And I think that lineup could give the Lakers some trouble, especially when they don't have their best perimeter defender guarding, you know, arguably arguably the best backcourt in the NBA this season. I don't blame you a bit right there, my friend. It looks more and more like Portland will be meeting with the Lakers. Uh, obviously not everything's done yet. Phoenix, Memphis, San Antonio, they still have their names in the hat, and you never know who's going to come out at the other end of it. But it's looking more and more like Portland. That's the way Laker Tom wants it. He wants the biggest challenge as possible for the Lakers. And if Portland were to get in there, that would certainly be it. Yeah, it definitely be a challenge. I think if the Blazers get the eighth, they only have to win once, right? Mm-hmm. But if the ninth seed has to win twice, yes. which could be – I mean, first of all, let's give a, a shout-out to Adam Silver in, in the NBA for putting this bubble together. Yeah. The gameplay has been good. I mean, the players have came in shape as far as, like, the health of the players. It's been, you know, the last two weeks, zero test. And everything has gone great. And if you get this play-in game, I mean, I just think, like, that's the best-case scenario for the NBA. Um, I mean, of course, Zion's not playing it. But just the fact that this play-in game just adds a little bit of extra incentive to this whole bubble league, which has exceeded my expectations. It has, and I had high expectations also. It, it was. We, you know, we talked about it on, on our many shows leading up to the bubble, and it's exceeded my expectations as well. I mean, it's gone as about as well as you can. You almost figure like – I mean, you're almost keeping your fingers crossed because you almost are expecting something to happen negatively. And you don't want to be the guy that goes ahead and says that or knock on wood. I'm, I'm knocking on my wood desk right now. But, uh, you know, it's, it's gone very well. you're a Sixers well. fan. If you're a Sixers fan, it happened. Yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. But uh, it's gone very fan. Yeah, but it's gone very well for the you know for the NBA bubble, and and like you said, Adam Silver is to be greatly complimented, and the whole entire staff of the NBA as well. Yeah, because I mean, you look at the problems that are happening in baseball; it's totally different than what's going on in the NBA. And then, you know, football I think is going to have the same issues as baseball, but this bubble has definitely. Like I said, it's just a great idea. And, I mean, there's benefits to it in basketball, which I think that I mean, it's a whole other subject, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's another bubble league next next season. And that's one thing I was going to go ahead and, and hint to you that, you know, the, the, the season could very well much be a bubble or bubbles. They've talked about pods. They've talked about bubbles. They've talked about so many different scenarios now for the NBA because this has gone so well. And this is something that you and I are at, at some point in time, we're going to have to get more into depth on as we hear more about it. Because like I said, right now, we're still thinking possibly a December starting date, but that is even up in the air right now because still what's going on right now in this bubble. But yeah, there, there's going to be just some major conversations that you and I have got to talk about in regards to the future of this league as far as next season is concerned. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think December is at first. It sounded like it was too close, but I think it's possible because some teams will be done this week, so their off season will be. I mean, they have September, October, and then I guess you know training camp would maybe start around Thanksgiving or so. So they have at least three months off season. It's just the teams that are that make deep playoff runs. It's going to be tough on them. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. That's you know, whoever comes out on top, or like you said, whoever even loses out in the finals, that kind of quick turnaround is going to put them at a disadvantage early on. Yep. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Well, before we head on out, my friend, it's been great having you on the show. I missed you, man. I missed you on the show. But a couple things I want to go ahead and cover because you are the man behind NBA Draft Junkies. And, of course, before I left, I did go ahead and put up my 2.0 mock draft on popculturecosmos.com as far as it's concerned. I know you've also been updating your list. And seeing that as the case, I know you got a chance to look at mine, and I've got a chance to listen to your shows and whatnot, and obviously seeing what you're doing. Are there any movers, real substantial movers? I mean, I moved a few around based off my hearing what, what a lot of people had to say and taking a second look, and so I moved people, but not just like huge jumps by leaps and, leaps and bounds. Uh, that's the thing going forward, because again, we don't see many any workouts or see any interviews or see anything going on right now because of the coronavirus. It's going to be really hard to go ahead and, and have anybody move drastically up or down at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, even now, like, I think, like, as far as moving guys up, it really just has to be based off your own opinion because nobody knows. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody knows whose stock is moving up. And I think it's interesting to hear people say, well, I think such and such stock is jumping when it's, like, based off of what? Like, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's not like they had a workout or they dominated the workouts. But I also think because there's so much time, some guys may be over-evaluated and their stock may drop because you're kind of like picking them apart. Yeah. Which, I mean, to me, the biggest case of this was, was Luka Doncic, you know? He started to hear the stock is dropping, this, this, and that. And it's just because scouts had really like two years worth of legitimate film to go over on top of like Eurobasket and Man, it's just hard to believe that people nitpicked little things that they say he couldn't do when he's obviously, and in my opinion, a top 10 NBA player right now. He should have never fell to where he fell. But I just think that, you know, he was overvaluated because he had such a 
you know, a large amount of games for them to look over as opposed to the average college player, which there's only 30 games. And I, that's something I want to ask you real quick. Do you think Dallas can make any kind of imprint in the playoffs? I don't think so. Even as great as Luka Doncic is playing because their defense, they just can't get it done. They're just, they got to outscore everybody. Well, I think the matchup with the Clippers is the worst possible matchup yeah. for them simply because they have two, well, actually three, if you include Beverly, wing defenders that can just kind of make life difficult for Doncic. Most teams don't have that. And I mean, he's, he's tough to guard. I mean, I was high on him, as I've mentioned multiple times before. I was high on him from the beginning, but I didn't see him being as dominant as he is right now. Uh, but defensively, you know what? I mean, like on paper, you can say the defense isn't that good. To me, the biggest issue is closing games. I think they're like, outside of their win against the Bucks. They were like two and ten in games decided by one or I don't know. It's like under the last two minutes or something like that. And if they could close games a lot better, then they'd have a better record. Like, for example, we all remember the Lakers game earlier in the year. They had the Lakers beat and they couldn't close the game, even though, you know, Dwight Howard made a illegal play to get. Uh, was it Avery Bradley open? <laughs> With the, uh, no, the I think corner? it was Danny Green. Danny Green, Danny Green, who's, man, has he showed up to the bubble yet? <laughs> no, we're still waiting on his approach. I, I, I said this joke on the other show, but my brother-in-law said it best. He was out of the game, or actually he was out sitting out with a bad hip, and that's pro, you know, his, my brother-in-law was speculating maybe it's because he's been holding up so many, so many bricks. Maybe he's been throwing up so many bricks. Because that's why his hip is hurting so much. So, yeah, but we're still looking for, for Danny Green at this point in time. Yeah, he's he's been MIA. But yeah, I think as far as Dallas, like I said, closing games has been their issue. Even like here in the bubble, they lost to Phoenix was a game that they couldn't close late. And then they lost to Houston was something that they it could have went either way. And I think their offense really just kind of struggles late in games because it's so heavily dependent on Luka. And teams are just kind of daring their guys to shoot. In the game against Milwaukee, which is their philosophy to give guys open shots. They just were able to knock down shots. Uh, I think Dorian Finney-Smith had like 20-something, if I'm not mistaken. He yeah. had some big shots. So to me, Dallas' biggest issue is if they can get consistent uh, consistent scoring from Hardaway Jr. Yeah. If he can knock down shots and put up 20-something a game, I think it's just going to be tough for teams to to stop them from scoring especially if all three guys are on. I don't even know if they've had a game where their top three scorers have all played well on the offensive end of the floor. It just seems like there's always somebody that's off. And right now it just seems like it's been hard away because I want to say Porzingis is averaging about 29 a game. Lucas, had, he's averaging like 33. He's had a 20-rebound game, a 19-assist game. So, yeah, the third score to me is is the biggest issue. And Seth Curry has shot the ball well, even in the bubble. But yeah, he's see, been hurt. Yeah. But even those yeah, Seth Curry hurt. memes, my friend, have you been watching those Seth Curry memes in the games that he did play? Where <laughs> I love those memes that how teams or certain players look at Seth Curry when they're playing, you know, when he's on defense. So it's funny. Because <laughs> oh, they're those. eating him alive on defense. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things where – 
I mean, especially in today's NBA, if you can't defend, you have to be able to make teams pay on the other end of the floor. Like, you can't really be an average shooter if you can't defend. You have to be, like said, a knockdown shooter to where you can trade threes for twos. I, I missed them. I haven't seen them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. When, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, against Houston. I think it was when both Westbrook and Harden were taking him to town. I think that was the the best uh, best best line of memes I've seen a while. <laughs> oh, wow, that's that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because it was not just one; it's not just two; it's like ten or twenty, just like so many uh, bagging on on Seth Seth Curry. It was just so funny. But you're right; you got to go ahead and make them pay at the other end because he shoots the ball so well when he's in there. But yes. I do think they have a puncher's chance, but I don't know. If they can't play any kind of defense in the bubble, and especially if they match up with the Clippers, that's going to be a real tough tough deal for them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's their worst possible matchup. They've given other teams issues all year, but the, the Clippers is one that they can't really, they can't really solve because they can keep – I mean, they can wear Dodgers down by – starting off with Beverly, then Kawhi, then George, just keeping those three defenders on him. And, I mean, it just, and then they beat him up too. Absolutely. So that that's a bad matchup for Dallas. But, I mean, it's his first NBA playoff experience. Same with Porzingis. Um, unless he made it his rookie year with Melo, which I I don't remember. I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, they don't really have a lot of playoff experience. So, Overall, it's just a learning experience for them to build on going forward, which, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to expect a team led by a second-year player to make a deep playoff run. So if, you know, they lose in the first round, it wouldn't it wouldn't be, like, major in my opinion. I agree with you on that. But before we get on out, my friend, and before we talk about the debate raging on on the Internet on my social media as of late, I want to go ahead and give you the floor on and give everybody a great update on all the stuff that you're doing with NBA Draft Junkies, your new Run the Floor podcast, and why they should go ahead and check out everything you're doing today on all the stuff. You know, I now can, you, you kidded me before, but I can now truly say you have an experience with all the stuff you're doing, whether it's for Lakerholics.com, NBA Draft Junkies, or Run the Floor. So the floor is yours, my friend. Go ahead. It's all yours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've uh, partnered with Lakerholics and I've created some NBA draft style videos on, on my opinion about different players that I think could help the Lakers. It's, uh, I mean, with, with them only having one pick, it's a little difficult to try to solve all their, I mean, I guess for needs of a lack of a better term, but just try to find ways to to find a draft pick that can come in and crack the rotation as a rookie with one pick. And then picking 29 is, is going to be tough trying to figure out which direction they, they go in as far as do you want another playmaker? Are you looking for a three and D player? So I've just kind of made two videos. I have a third one up within the next coming days about different rookies that I would target if I'm the Lakers. Then, of course, I just have my regular NBA draft stuff. The last few weeks, I have been doing player interviews with different international prospects. Just going to, we're trying to introduce them to the American audience. These are guys that may or may not get drafted. I think they could possibly sneak in the second round. And then um, I'm back to like doing my player profiles. I haven't done one 
I think it went like a month without doing them. So I, the last one I did was with Sadiq Bay. The next one I have up is uh, Devin Vassell. I should have that up by the time this podcast airs. And then I just go back to, you know, just doing the strengths and weaknesses videos because now we're getting close to draft time. I know the lottery is coming up within the next 11 or 12 days. And then that's when I got to, you know, I have to turn it up and start cranking out the videos and the draft content because I think people will start paying more attention to the draft, even though this is a weird year, as we know, a lot of times there's no basketball on. So it's draft is the only thing going on, but you know, this year there's going to be the lottery. And then, I mean, like the draft to be talked about, but it will be overshadowed by the playoffs. So, but if you're a basketball fan like myself, I mean, it's a win-win because you're getting double the the basketball because you got the draft, playoffs, all of that going on at the same time, which is something that we haven't had happen. Absolutely. At least not to not in my existence. Not in mine either, my friend. And it's always going to be interesting. Hopefully mock three or group draft 3.0 will be coming up here in the not too distant future after the lottery is decided and mm-hmm. you see exactly who picks where you don't have to speculate or guesstimate anymore you can actually know who is being slotted where the i guess the memphis boston scenario about getting who gets which pick that'll be decided as well in the coming week or so so that's going to be interesting to see and of course like i said with the lottery who picks where so we'll able to be going ahead and I'll throw out my 3.0 you'll throw out another mock draft you'll we'll hopefully be able to get together as a group again because that's always a great time to to see who is going to go ahead and pick where and pick when so I'm interested to see how that falls but yes if you're an NBA draft junkie there is no better place to go than NBA draft junkies and I'll tell you what it's just awesome to see all the stuff that you're doing I congratulate you again on all your success with running the floor. Uh, if you get a chance to watch it, it's, it's a great watch or a great listen now because it's available on all podcast formats. So keep up the great work, my friend. I'm now catching up to you, not only on the bicycle, but I'm catching up to you on the podcast realm as well now. No, I still have a ways to go. There was at one point where every time I got on Facebook, I got a notification and you were doing interviews from multiple platforms. So I only have two, but your your work ethic is inspiring me because I'm like, well, you know what? Joe probably has seven podcasts done this week. I got I gotta get on it. So you gave me a little break when you were on your on your vacation, but now I know I gotta I gotta step it up. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm but I don't have that many right now that I've got outside of what I do with Laker Tom and yourself. Uh, but I am going to probably add some in the near future because I always like getting the mix and feel from people all around the world on what their thoughts are on the NBA scene. So it's always great to hear that, like you do. You love to hear these thoughts. You love to hear what people have to say. You love to hear these these prospects, whether or not they're going to fall into the late first, second, or even undrafted, what their realistic goals are. I love the fact that you still have Kuzi Killick playing a great part, Joe Gomez playing a part as well, and you know you've had some great interviews with other draft experts so keep up the fantastic work i'm i'm serious man because not only are you doing all the great stuff with the with the podcast i mean the videos and yeah come on you're one upping me well thanks i i appreciate that and and just you know the support that you've given and and just the platform that you've 
that you've given me and, you know, introduced my channel and, and everything to, to your audience. So I, I appreciate that, but I have to get you on my podcast, the run the floor podcast this week. You know where I'm at, my friend, you know how to find me. I, am... I have to get on your schedule. I, it seems like it's pretty full. It will always <laughs> find time for you, my friend. It will always find time for you. You've been so gracious to me. It is the least I can do. Sounds good. Before we head on out, my friend, I know you said you, you know, didn't want to kind of delve into it too deep, but I had a major discussion with my co-host of the Pop Culture Cosmos, Josh Peterson, and also a great debate online. In fact, random people are just weighing in with their thoughts on it. I got to hear your thoughts, my friend, before we head on out, seeing that you are a man from Texas or in Texas right now. What are your thoughts on in and out versus Whataburger? This is tough because, so my dad loves Whataburger, right? Whenever he comes in town, that's one of the first places he goes to eat. But I hate it because the onions will stink up the trash can. If you don't, you, you literally have to take those onions and throw them outside when you're <laughs> done eating. Because if you pick them off your burger, put them in the trash, they will stink up your house. But my in and out experience is I had lived in L.A. maybe like 10 years ago. And uh, a friend of mine had, had came in town with, with another friend and they wanted to do the L.A. experience. So I decided, well, you know what? I haven't had this in and out everybody's talking about. So we went to the in and out in Hollywood, waited, I don't know, an hour and a half. <laughs> the burger was fresh. It was good. And then I just never really went. I think I went a couple of times, but the lines were so long. So then they brought in and out to Texas, probably 2013-ish, I'm guessing. And the lines were just as long as they were in L.A. I mean, it was like people on the news crying, people from California that had relocated here crying, talking about they haven't had this burger in a while, to the point where they had to have, like, the police and security, like, making sure the lines don't spill out into the major streets and all that. So I had to wait at least a month and a half before the hype to die down um, to get the in and out. So I still have to say this. When I go to Whataburger, I don't get a hamburger. I'll get like the nuggets or something like that. Uh, I haven't been to In-N-Out in a while, but I think I would choose In-N-Out because I feel like their burgers are fresher. I agree with you on that. And I'm not a huge fan of either. I indicated that I give In-N-Out maybe a seven, seven and a half, but you're right. It's always fresh. Uh, you do have to fight the lines. The lines still here in Vegas sometimes, like you said, go out into the street, even today. And we've been, it's been here for, you know, over a decade, well over a decade. And with Whataburger, I had a chance to try it last week, and I wasn't that impressed, my friend. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the variety is there. It's better than what you see at In-N-Out, because In-N-Out just keeps it simple, straight to the point. But, mm -hmm. again, I find better burgers other places than both of them. I mean, I, I, I related it probably about a seven, seven and a half to maybe a, a five and a half, six and a half. That, that, to me, was just like, both are edible, both are okay. But both are just, you know, I, I don't, I don't see the the same type of things that a lot of other people see in both these burgers. 
yeah, I mean, the in and out hype is is it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where the lines are so long that you have to say, all right, you know what? I'll stand here and wait in this line to see what the hype is about. And uh, I mean, whatever their marketing strategy is, or what, if it's not the burger, then it has to be something else that is making. I mean, just the fact that we're talking about it today, there's something else behind it. But I mean, I guess their burgers being fresh is 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 like their how they market. I don't know what it is, but now you're making me want to decide if I want to go out tonight and and, <laughs> and buy both. And then by the next podcast, have an updated, an updated opinion on which is the best. Well, you should. You should try that. I would love to hear your thoughts on our next podcast because later this week, we are going to go ahead, hopefully, and get together, get a chance to talk uh, either on your show or mine about the bubble because we get into playoffs coming up in a short matter of time. So definitely, I would, I would love to hear your thoughts, your updated thoughts on, on both. It would just be funny to hear everybody's reaction and see everybody's reaction because you, it's so divisive either which way. Right. And the only thing I could compare it to recently was the craze over the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I did wait an hour and a half for it to be made after I ordered it. Not in a line. After I ordered it, I had to wait an hour and a half before it got made. And to me, it was so good. I think I almost thought it was a bargain. I so I was well I missed the hype because I was I don't even know if I was here or not I think it just came out right before I went to China mm-hmm. so I missed all that hype I mean you know Chick-fil-a is I'm a big Chick-fil-a guy actually when I lived in LA I would make the 30 minute drive from downtown to or is it, was it in Long Beach before yes. they had one yeah, there was one in Torrance too for for the longest time in the Delamo Mall. Yeah, so those were the only two when I was there. Then I guess the next one was at USC. So yeah, uh, I'm a big Chick Fil A guy. Whenever I leave the country and I come back after being gone a long time, it's like one of the first things on my my to do list is go to Chick Fil A. So I didn't get the the Popeyes one until I. It was like right when I got back um, from China in February and I was in LA and I said, let me, let me try it. And I mean, like the Popeye's opened up, whatever time they opened up, I was like the first customer <laughs> and it was good. It was, it was definitely good, but I think my loyalty lies with Chick-fil-A. There you go. That's another debate for another day. Cause I've had Chick-fil-A in Orlando, Chick-fil-A here in Vegas. You gotta sell me on it, my friend, because I think it's good. I just don't think it's great. And, you know, and again, we're, this is going to go all around for all of these arguments people have because uh, when all these fast foods, it's just like people perceive it one way or the other, no matter which way you go. Yeah, that, definitely. I mean, it's funny because Chick-fil-A is it's always one of those things that you crave on Sunday when they're not open. And <laughs> now, now I want Chick-fil-A and it's, you know, we're recording here on a Sunday night and it's not an option. You're going to have to settle for an In-N-Out burger or Whataburger, Mike. Yep. But I'll definitely have an a updated opinion on the next podcast. Sounds good, my friend. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Check out what he does for not only Lakerholics.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, his Run the Floor podcast, his NBA Draft Junkies podcast, and, of course, everything that you see 
at NBADraftJunkies.com. My friend, it's been great having you on the show, talking food and a little bit of basketball on the side. Looking forward for more bubble talk and all the great things that you and I talk about, the draft and so much more right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.